0: Well, welcome, church. Good morning. If you'll remain standing, my name is Jeff Hughes. I serve as the Connections Pastor. I want to invite you to make your way in your Bible, your mobile device, whatever you read the scriptures, to Psalm chapter 46. If you'll get there, we'll read that together. Hope you're doing well this morning. This message is titled Refuge. And we'll learn that that's exactly what God wants to be for us, our refuge. And our strength. If you'll follow along with me, this is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Sound familiar? Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And verse 11, which is the same as verse 7 the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Touch somebody on the shoulder and say, God is my refuge and strength. And then have a seat, if you will. Well, Psalm 46, it's a song. It's a song of holy comfort. It gives us assurance, divine help, if you will, for these moments when we need it the most. It gives us encouragement to keep pressing on when we face challenging times and when trouble is ahead. You know these people and so do I. And when they face trouble, they they lead these charming little lives. And trouble seems to invade their life, and they face it with great ease, and it rarely even comes their way. Maybe you know one of those people. Don't you just want to sock them in the nose? I mean, come on. Trouble, it happens to all of us except for that person. Well, if you're not that person who manages trouble with ease, I want to direct us to what we can glean from Psalm 46 in this message. Because we need to be aware that real trouble will come. And it comes in a variety of shapes, but we have a response, and God orders our steps in that. You know, most of us don't have to look too far away to find trouble. I've noticed that I don't have to look far at all, that trouble seems to find me just on its own. It's right there. I'll be minding my own business, watching TV, and trouble will drive down my street, pull in my driveway, come in my house unannounced, and be staring me right in the eyes. There's trouble right there, all of a sudden. The same thing happens to you. We don't look for trouble, but it finds us. It knows our address. It knows our number. It knows where we are. Now, let's do something here, 1115. This is the fourth time I've tried this, and, and I'm, I'm judging all the different services just inside. I'm gonna say the phrase, all it takes. And then, what I need from you, with all of your 1115 energy and encouragement, is to say, all it takes right after. Okay, I'll say all it takes. You say it. Ready? All it takes is a phone call in the middle of the night. All it, takes All it takes is watching the evening news at the end of the day. All it, takes All it takes is the doctor walking away, shaking his head with uncertainty at that appointment. And you'll find yourself staring trouble right in the eyes. And there's no way that a human being can live in this troubled world without having troublesome times. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful of what we see in Psalm 46 and, and what we can glean from the rest of this talk here this morning. Psalm 46, God is our refuge. I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you would say, I am facing major trouble right now. I mean, the world just seems to be crushing in. Maybe that's you. And maybe you would say, you know, things are pretty good right now. I want to challenge You to tuck these notes in your back pocket for that moment when you'll need them the most. In our text, the psalmist describes through poetic language the three types of trouble that can come. And the first is the finality of an earthquake. The word you're looking for is finality on your notes or on the app. The writer talks about the earth being removed and the mountains being carried into the midst of the sea. This is an earthquake. You know, sometimes trouble comes with the sheer finality of an earthquake. You didn't see it coming, and there it is. It's right there in front of you. This was not your plan. It was not what you had on your agenda for the day. And there is trouble right before you with nothing that you can do. You know, people who've gone through earthquakes, they say that there's really nothing that will make you feel as helpless. I mean, everything's shaking. The earth is shaking. The room you're in is shaking, and there's really no place to go. Well, I think sometimes trouble hits us like that. We weren't expecting it. There was no warning, no way of resisting it. You can't even really make it stop. It's just going on around us until it decides to quit. And there's this total finality. And suddenly people find themselves that the bottom has just dropped out of life. And there they are to face this situation. Maybe you've been there. Well, I believe that the people who cope with challenges and with trouble, the very best, have a good working knowledge of what we see from Psalm 46. It can be so helpful. One thing is for sure, trouble may not enter your life with the fearful finality or the awful shock of an earthquake, but it's going to come, and so we need to be ready for it, don't we? The psalmist uses the second poetic expression here in Psalm 46.3 and says, Though its waters roar. Can you picture that? These roaring rapids, these waters. These waters. He's talking about the second type of trouble which comes with the fury of a storm. The fury of a storm. There's a guy that I like to look at in the Old Testament. He's one of David's mighty men. And he got up one morning and he looks outside to go to his assignment for that day. And unfortunately, he sees a massive snowstorm. And we all know from living in central Indiana that that is the perfect excuse To put on another cup of coffee, build a fire, find your favorite book, and cancel the day's events, right? That's what we do. But this guy kept going. He didn't cancel his events for the day. But as he kept going through this snowstorm, he realized that all of a sudden, he had fallen in a pit. So here he is, snow all around. He's in a pit, all alone, or so he thinks, until he hears the roar of a lion from behind him. Just when you think it can't get worse, right? So he's in a pit on a snowy day with a lion. And he just wants to go back to bed, take a mulligan on that day, and just start over tomorrow, right? So what do you do when trouble comes with the fury of a storm pounding you at every single angle? The snowstorm, the pit, the lion. Well, the beautiful thing that we see about... This mighty man of David is that he slew the lion in the pit, in the storm, and he lived to tell about it. What a great story. That's what you do when trouble comes. You learn to cope with it and you learn to cling to God. Because one thing that I know for a fact is that tough times don't last, but tough people do. Cling to God. Remember that he is your hope, your refuge. You see, sometimes trouble comes to us in a variety of forms. And though it may not be the finality of the earthquake or the fury of the storm, it may be the third way, which is the force of a flood. The force of a flood. In the end of Psalm 46.3, he says, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Here you have this picture of everything swelling with a flood. Maybe you've watched the news perhaps in the last week or so, and you've seen that there are cities and states. Maryland, I know, has several floods going on. And, and there's just this power, this force of a flood that is, that is washing through streets, moving cars, moving houses and land. There is great force that comes through a flood. And the same thing is true in our lives when, when this, this fury and this force washes through our lives. We can be destroyed or at least moved off our foundation. Well, when I think of trouble entering a life with the force of a flood, I think of a man named Job. Maybe you've read the story of Job and you know uh, all, all about this Bible character, but let me tell you a little bit about it. You see, Job's life is really fascinating. He's a remarkable man. He was a great success. You name it, he had it. He had a large family family. He was the greatest, but Satan was a little worried about Job. Now, how many of you know it's a good thing if Satan is actually worried about your life, right? So Satan's worried about Job, and he wonders if he could just knock him in the teeth with some trouble and if his life would be still following God or if his foundation would be shaken. So Satan has a word with God about Job, and, and God gave him permission to do certain things. Let me tell you that the philosophy of Job is vital to our understanding of trouble. The first thing we need to know is that Satan is real, there is power in this world, and bad things do happen. But God never allows anything to happen to his children that is beyond or outside what he believes they can cope with through his power and through his presence. And if we'll tuck that away for the moments where trials and trouble comes, we can know that God is within us and he will help us with the very thing that we face. He's not only our refuge, he is our strength and he is our ever-present help. So Satan is given permission by God to do certain things to Job, and really he takes everything, just about. His sons, his daughters, his land, his building, his animals, all gone. And then in the end, Satan even takes away Job's health. And then we we see Job sitting on this trash pile, and and he's got a shard, and he's just scratching at his flesh because he's developed this bad chronic disease, and he's driven out of his mind. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine all of that? Yet still here is a guy who is saying, God is my refuge. God's my strength. What I would say to you here today, if you're facing a Job-like situation, is to cling to Psalm 46.1. God is my refuge, my strength, my ever-present help in times of trouble. What does that mean? He's ever-present. That means all the time, everywhere, You cannot hide from his help. You cannot hide from his refuge. If you will run to him, he will provide exactly that for you. So what do we do when trouble comes? There are three promises for the times of trouble that are outlined for us in Psalm 46. And the first promise is that God is a refuge for his people. The word you're looking for in the blank is refuge. God is a refuge for his people. So what exactly does this mean and what does it look like? Where does this idea of God as a refuge come from? Well, it comes from the Old Testament where they had cities of refuge, if you will. You can read about this in the Old Testament book of Numbers in the Bible. And God, who gave instructions for the building of his ideal nation in Israel, insisted that they should have certain cities that were doted around the land that were termed cities of refuge. In those days, they had what was called pre-summary justice. What that means is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So if you went after somebody's eye or somebody's tooth, look out because it was coming after you. But in these cities of mercy, there was what you could only best describe as a touch of mercy, a touch of grace. For example, here's how it would work. If you were working and you were a man and you were working and you had an axe and the axe head flew off and hit another man square between the eyes and it killed him right? You had just murdered a man. What you needed to do is immediately drop everything and move to the city of refuge. If you could get to that city, open up the gate, get in and shut the gate behind you, you were safe. Now, the good news is the trouble that was to follow you would not be able to make it inside the city of refuge. The bad news is you would have to live the rest of your days inside the city of refuge. But this is a picture that we have of God being our refuge, who is continually available to his people. You see, it might seem sometimes that the flood or the earthquake or the storm is coming after you, and you know that you're going to be totally engulfed, swept away and destroyed. Let me give you a tip. Don't try to argue with the flood. It doesn't really help. Don't try to argue with the storm the earthquake, when Satan has your number and he's looking you in the eye saying all of these lies, you're not good enough, you can't do this, you'll never amount, that situation's not gonna work out, that person is doomed, they're never gonna do the right thing, all of those lies, all of those things that he says that creep into us, don't argue with them, don't mess with them, just admit that you're in trouble and head to the city of refuge. So of course the Old Testament description is this actual city with a gate But the New Testament description is God. It's Jesus. That we would run to God. That we would throw ourselves into the city of refuge that is a relationship with Jesus and knowing God as our Savior. Three sub points here. The first is that God is continually available. You see, Jesus said that we must come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give us rest. So the simple message for what to do in the times of trouble is that admit that God is your refuge, that you cannot cope without his help. Jesus is the one who opens his arms to you and says, come to me, lay your burdens on me, cast all your anxiety at my feet. The second thought here that God is, is our refuge is not only continually available, but he's also thoroughly adequate. Think about this for a moment. If you had just committed murder in the Old Testament, the axe had flown, uh, axe head had flown off of your axe, you ran to the city of refuge, but the gate was broken down. Huh, you could get in, but so could everything chasing you, right? And, and so we see that the good news here is that Jesus is not only continually available, but he is also fully adequate. The third thing we see is that he is readily accessible to us. And this comes from uh, Psalm 46, where he is our ever-present help. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that God, in his presence and his spirit, is my ever present help in times of trouble. That means there's nowhere you can go, there's nowhere you can be, there's no situation that God can't be with you because he is your ever-present help. He is readily accessible to you. Let me tell you something, the God who created you, he loves you so much. He wants a relationship with you. He sent Jesus his son to this world. His son was crucified. Jesus was sent to the cross, crucified, dead and buried. But but God raised him up on the 3rd day so he could live in you and be your very present help. And let me say this, there is no greater help, no closer help than God within you. Nowhere you can go. Nowhere you can go. When trouble comes, it's like the sun. For some people it will harden them like clay, and for others it will melt them like wax. You see, it all depends on what you're made of and what you'll do when the fiery furnace of trouble stares you directly in the eye. Well, here's point number two. When trouble comes, we have to realize that God is resident among his people, resident among his people. I want us to look deeper at verses four and five of Psalm. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place. Where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. So, the term the city of God, as far as the psalmist is concerned, was a picture that he loved to use of Mount Zion. Mount Zion was the place where the temple was going to be, the place where the tabernacle of the Most High was going to be. This was the place. And in the Old Testament, the city of God, Mount Zion, ancient Jerusalem, was a picture of the fact that God in his tabernacle. Was resident among his people. So you've got the Old Testament picture of this, but let's flip to the New Testament picture of this. We discover that the city of God is another term for the church of Jesus Christ. So we should understand that the church, not these walls, not this floor and this roof, not this building, but the church, the people gathered here, the body of Christ. Is the city of God and God is resident in our midst. So, what does this mean? First, it means we realize that God is resident in each of us. And next, it means that we realize that God is available and alive and well in the fellowship of his people. There is great care, great compassion, great support, camaraderie in the fellowship of God's people. You heard Pastor Caleb mention just a moment ago about Serve Week. That's what that week is all about. God's people going out into the world to make a difference with care, compassion, and concern for our neighbors and the people in our city and our world. In the fellowship of God's people, there is great support. Because God is resident in God's people. Can we just grab a hold of that for a minute? God is resident here. But God didn't come so he could stay within these walls. He came so he could be resident in us, living and active, helping us through the good times, through the bad times, through every moment of our day and our life. God is resident in his people. In the latter parts of Psalm 46.4, he says, The city of God is a holy place where the Most High dwells. The Most High dwells. In other words, he is the one who is seated on the throne above all thrones. He's the most high, the one ordering the universe. Therefore, he is a God of power, a God of purpose, and a God who has a plan and a destiny for our lives. It doesn't mean that we'll be immune from trouble. No, in fact, you may have more trouble than the person sitting next to you. But it means that God, who is alive and alert and actively involved in your situation will be with you. He'll be your refuge. He's a God of overflowing grace, overflowing mercy, of power and purpose. And he is alive and alert in your life. If you really believe that, when trouble comes, your attitude will be different. You know, it's interesting in Psalm There there is verse 40, uh, verse 7 and verse 11 of chapter 46 are exactly the same. Now, I think that 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 was written for me because I sometimes will move through the scriptures so quickly that, that three or four verses later, maybe I'm not focusing so much on what I should three or four verses before. So God threw in verse 7 and verse 11 just to remind me of this in case I missed it that the Lord Almighty is with us. Isn't that good? There's a reason it's there twice. The Lord is with us. We go through life often and we think, well, I'm all alone or no one understands. Well, God, the Lord Almighty, is with you. So no matter what you're facing, God is with you. And he will be your fortress. The Lord of hosts is with you. So what do I do when trouble comes? I realize that he's a refuge and that he's resident. But thirdly, God sends a river. God sends a river of blessing to his people. Psalm 46.4, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, I think it's interesting that this, this chapter and verse starts off talking about trouble. And then it moves to this place of there being a river that makes glad the people of God. Of course, the only way these can be fitted together is because God is the one who who makes people glad. God is the one who sends the river of blessing, right? Because here is this, this situation. What do I do in trouble? And then we see the river of gladness, making glad the people of God. If you want to check more on this river, do a study of Ezekiel 47 where you see the dry bones that are overcome by the Spirit of God. John 7, 37 to 39, in those passages, you'll see this, that the river of God flows in the city of God is a very good picture of the activity and the work of the Spirit of God. Can I just encourage you to get in the river Can I just encourage you to allow the river of God's blessing to flow and to wash over you? In John 7, 38 and 39, it says, Whoever believes in me, this is Jesus' scripture, has said, Rivers of living water will flow within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. So there's no question that this picture of the river, according to this verse and others, is this picture of the activity and the work of the Spirit of God. If you're in trouble right now? If you're facing a situation that you think may put you under and do you in, can I challenge you to get in the river by inviting God's spirit to move in your life? The amazing thing about this river of God is that it brings refreshment wherever it flows. And it is the river that makes glad the people of God. Well, how does it do that? The activity of the spirit of God Through the word of God makes glad the people of God. And so today we can be made glad in knowing that we have a refuge, we have strength, we have an ever-present helper. Does it make all of those troubles subside and go away? Oh, no. But it makes going through them much, much easier. As you journey through life and face trouble, God will speak to your spirit. Here are some of the things he's spoken to mine and probably yours as well you are a child of God. You are viable. You are worthwhile. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. There's a reason you're here. I'm going to use you. I'm not finished with you. This situation is going to be restored and God will be lifted up. Now listen, those are things God speaks to all of his kids So any one of those, grab a hold of it and apply it to your life because those aren't just things that were told to me. They're things through the word of God that have been spoken to my spirit and I believe to yours as well if you'll hear them. The river of God makes glad the city of God. So what do I do in trouble? I seek God as my refuge. I realize that he is resident and I ask God to send the river. Well, let me close with just a couple thoughts about how we should move forward in this situation. You know, it's very possible that you could sit here today and you could hear this message. You could say, hey, that's good. God is all of these things. He's a refuge. He's a resident. He's a river. And then you go out and sink under the trouble of your life. I don't want that to happen. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to reflect. We've got to reflect on what this means. And what I love in this chapter of Psalms is that there is a statement made and then there is application right after it. For instance, God is a refuge, therefore what? Therefore fear is illogical. If God's my refuge, I don't need to fear. If God is my strength, I can face what's ahead. If God is resident, the city of God is immovable. So reflect on what this means. The second thing is to review what God has done. Remember Psalm 46 verse 8 starts with come and see what the Lord has done. So I don't know what trouble you're facing, but let me just remind you that in the come and see what the Lord has done, we're talking about the God who raised his son Jesus Christ from the dead. So my list of troubles in my life doesn't really compare to that by any means. You're talking about the God who raised Jesus from the dead. So review what he's done. Come behold the works of the Lord and be reminded of the empty tomb. Here's the third way to respond. Rejoice in what God promises. Rejoice in what God promises. Psalm 4610, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That is going to help with trouble. Know that God will be exalted and so we can rejoice. Here's the fourth way to respond. Relax and be still. Now, this is the hardest one sometimes because there's these pressures of life. There's all these things going on. But in the context of trouble, we see be still and know that I am God. Be still literally means relax. It doesn't mean that we abandon our responsibility. It means that we run to the refuge of God and we cast those cares at his feet. And then we get still. One thing that's really helped me as I've understood this scripture a little bit more, is it doesn't mean that we don't go about the things that we have to do. You see, some folks read, be still and know that I'm God, and they think, well, for me to be still, it means I need to be on an ocean liner taking a Caribbean cruise every couple weekends, right? No, that's not it. It's a stillness and a comfort of your heart. It's a heart stillness. Whereas you breathe in and you breathe out, you experience the presence of God. You know that God is there. Even when your situation seems dark and seems challenging. To know and to trust that be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the heavens. I will be exalted in the earth. Well, David, who authored many of the Psalms, he loved to run from God instead of run to God many times. And in Psalm 27.5, in a moment where God was, or David was seeking God, he said this, For in in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Maybe the step that you need to take today is instead of trying to run from your trouble, instead run to God. Run to Jesus. Rekindle that relationship that, that was from days of the past. Renew that relationship by seeking God and and having a relationship with Jesus by reading the word and studying scripture and fellowshipping with other believers. Run to God. Run away from that trouble. Abandon yourself and seek a relationship with your creator. Have you allowed God to do these things that I've spoken about today? Have you allowed him and invited him to be your refuge, to be resident in you? Have you asked him to send a river of blessing that will flow in and through you to our city and our world? I hope you will. What I've found is as you do these things, when you stare trouble in the eye, you can look away and look directly to God, your Savior. Stand up with me and let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come to you now and we ask that you would be our refuge that you would be our strength. Father, I ask that you would give every single person within the sound of my voice a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, give us direction to face the trials of life. Lord, we acknowledge that there is a river that is nothing less than the flow of the Spirit of God straight from the throne of God to the people of God. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that this river would flow in our lives, in our church, and in our city use us to make a difference. Father, as we face our trouble, may we face it in a way that other people look and say, man, what is your secret? And we can answer them, God is my refuge. Now, Lord, perhaps there's one person here calling out to you in their their middle of trouble right now. Lord, I pray that you would bring exactly what they need. Bring them grace. Help them to run to the city of refuge. Help them to run to you, God. Meet them with your presence, take control of their life, and hear their prayer. Lord, right now, I ask that you would be our refuge, that you would be our strength, that you would calm our hearts, that you would still our spirits, and rekindle in us what you and you alone can do. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.